Welcome in to Please Bear With Me. My name is Scotty Swingler. It's great to be coming back with you this week to talk Baylor football after a very disappointing loss in Ames to Iowa State, a very controversial loss to Iowa State, and then coming into this game against TCU, the rivalry is back, Baylor is back in black, and it is going to be a lot of fun this week, so thanks for joining us as you get ready for game day, and as you get ready to support the Baylor Bears as they take on the Texas Christian Horn Frogs. I have a lot of thoughts about the game versus Iowa State, but I don't think I have anything to say that hasn't already been said. The rule that got Brewer kicked out is egregious. The laziness to give a personal foul to every player on either sideline is just incredibly lazy work on the part of the officials that were there at that game. It's frustrating, but it is what it is, man. I didn't think we were going to win in Ames anyway, so the showing that we put up was good enough for me to feel good about this game on Saturday against TCU, which I am very confident we can come away with a win. I do think it will be closer than people think because I think rivalries always bring out the viciousness. I think both teams are going to have to keep their cool I think Baylor's going to be tempted at some point to lose their cool, but I think it'll be fun to watch, and I do expect Baylor to come out with a win, but I expect it to be about a one-score game. I know TCU's having a down year. They did lose to Kansas. May we never forget, but I do think they're going to play Baylor close, so it'll be fun to watch and fun to see. I hope you're all there. Have your tickets. Make sure to wear black for the blackout. Blackouts are only cool if everybody does it, yo. So wear your black, and I can't wait to see the Sailor Bear on the black helmets just as been announced, and it's just going to be a fun game. So really looking forward to it. For a more in-depth preview of the matchup between Baylor and TCU, be sure to tune in to Please Bear With Me, the show Friday night at 8 p.m. on Periscope and Facebook Live. My first guest today is a guy that I have come to know on Twitter, one of those Baylor Twitter people that I didn't really know in person, but he's become one of my favorite follows on Twitter. He's been very supportive of the podcast, and he asked if he could come on, and I am always open to radical, hardcore Baylor fans coming on, so I would like to welcome T-Rex to the podcast. Now, he wouldn't even tell me his real full name. He told me he just wants to go by T-Rex. So if you want to get in contact with him, you can find him on Twitter at T underscore Rex 1991. But anyways, here is my conversation with Baylor superfan T-Rex. Well, hey man, how about just for starters, uh, you give us a quick introduction into who you are, and maybe how the T-Rex thing got started so Baylor people kind of have a better idea of who you, who you are. All right, no problem. You know, uh, I grew up in Waco. Um, basically, my, my dad is, was a diehard Baylor fan, brought us to the games as kids. I like to say my brother and I grew up in Fort Casey Stadium, um, whether that's a good thing or not, back in the 90s. <laughs> but right. I grew up, grew up watching Baylor football, um, we're mostly a football family. I mean, we went to basketball games, probably starting around the Scott Drew era, we didn't, and then women games, uh, Lady Bear games, because um, obviously they've been good for a long time, so we didn't go to the Lady Bear games, but not much of uh, any other kind of sports family. My dad was mostly a football guy, but growing up there in Waco, going to Baylor games, win or lose, you kind of get brainwashed, so 
we, we kind of only know Baylor there. And, uh, I mean, even from birth, I think I was a month-year-old, and I was uh, in Arkansas in a game that was covered in snow, I believe, at the beginning of November. I obviously don't remember that at a month-year-old, but I was bundled up in the snow at a Baylor game. So for anybody that understands what that entails, that means my parents were brainwashing me to be a Baylor fan from birth. Um, but, you know, I grew up in Waco, like I said, um, going to the games. I actually, what a lot of people don't know, I did not actually go to Baylor. I was going to go to Baylor, but I had the chance to go to a D3 school out in Abilene. I went to McMurray University to, to play some football. Uh, got hurt, so didn't end up working out for me there, but I just stayed in school. Um, went to the Baylor games that I could when I was able to get home. Um, and just stayed a Baylor fan that whole time. Uh, then about 2013, so that would have been my senior year of college there, my older brother, um, if anybody on Twitter knows, uh, follows me there, um, you've seen plenty of pictures of me and my brother. He wears the, the gold mask. I wear the green mask. He came out with the gold mask. Uh, I believe it was that blackout game that year. Wore that mask as just kind of a joke, just kind of being funny, you know. Um, and then it kind of split him. And then I had the chance to go to the Fiesta Bowl that game, that year. Um, my mom and I drove from Waco to Phoenix. Um, it was a long drive back, unfortunately, but we went all the way to Phoenix to watch that bowl game. And I, I took the mask with me, uh, wore it there with the gold chain, and decided that, you know, I need to go to some more Baylor stuff, and I need to get crazy as well. Um, I moved to Kansas City uh, that spring, so spring 2014. So... Uh, haven't been able to go to any home games, unfortunately, actually, ever since I moved up here. So I've never been to McLean. Um, but living in Kansas City, I get to go to any KU games, K-State games, uh, Iowa State games, and try to travel where I can, whether that be football, basketball, soccer. We have the Kansas, we have this Big 12 tournament up here, so I get to be crazy at those games. And I've just, over the last couple of years, just kept evolving to a little bit more of a crazy fan, letting it come out, um, evolve the whole kind of get-up that I have. I'm known for wearing the, the green skull mask and gold chains and being loud and crazy. And You know, I think I'm just unapologetically a Baylor fan, and it's a little crazy, and I I don't know why. I don't know if it's just from been my whole life as a Baylor fan, or I just have nothing better to do than to be a crazy Baylor fan. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I I'm just, just like being loud. I like screaming and yelling, I think it does actually have growing up, have a lot to do with growing up in the stadium and not seeing a lot of green and gold in the stadium growing up. It was mostly away fans, in my opinion, how I remember it. And so when I go on the road, I want to bring as much energy as I can to support our team, whether it be basketball, football, equestrian, you know, lacrosse, badminton, whatever the sport be. I think everybody's part of Baylor Nation, so you got to support them the way you can. And My way is just being crazy and loud. That's great, man. And I, I would, man, you've got to be the only, like, one of the crazy Baylor fans that actually didn't go to Baylor. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I, you know, it's one of those things that I think about every day. I feel like I, I never got to run the line. You know, I, people talk about, oh, you know, I meet people, my girlfriend's family, they're all from up here, and I explain the whole line to them. They watch games on TV with me, and they're like, oh, did you do that? And I'm like, you got to remember, I didn't go there, and I, it, people it blows people's minds when they realize that I didn't go there. <laughs> Man, what are you looking forward to most about being at McLean on Saturday? I'm just looking forward to being home. I'm looking forward not being home necessarily like 
you know, coming home, like you would say, you know, you're just going home to visit family, but being home to what I consider home. I consider Baylor home. That's, like I said, I grew up there. So I'm just looking forward to finally getting to come home and watch a Baylor football game, especially in the new stadium. I mean, I, like I said, I've never had a chance to be in McLean. So I'm just excited to finally be able to watch a game in such a beautiful stadium on the Brazos River. I always hoped that we'd have a stadium on campus on the Brazos River. My dad always talked about it. We always dreamed about it, and then it finally happened. You know, it, it took some good teams to do it, and we got it. And I'm just happy that I finally get to say I watched a game there and finally get to cheer my Bears on at home. Are there going to be some tears on Saturday? Uh, there might be. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what happens? <laughs> yeah, well, there will be happy tears. Only happy tears. Yeah, of course. Or or horn frog tears. Yeah, there'll be oh, there'll be tons of horn frog tears. Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh yeah. If you had to pick one game that you've been to, that's your favorite ever. Because I think next week we're going to count down top ten Baylor games, maybe of the decade. Uh, if you had to pick one game you've ever been to that's the best you've been to, what what is it? Best game, best Baylor game I've ever been to is the double overtime victory against A&M. Uh, Wasn't that phenomenal? Oh, that was, I, I still remember it. I mean, you know, that was so long ago, you don't obviously remember every single play, but you don't forget, you don't forget Guy Morris holding up the two fingers, you know. You, you just don't forget that. I think I would have been about 13 at the time. So I actually have a piece of that goalpost back in Waco somewhere. I'm going to look for it on Friday when I get home. It's in a box somewhere, but we, I have a piece of that goalpost somewhere. Um, that, that game, Sean Bell throwing that pass, oh, that was, that was a memory. Yeah, that, one, that one's a good one. I was also thinking when you said that your brother had busted out the gold mask at the blackout game, that was one of the better ones I've ever been to as well uh, for a lot of the same reasons, just the big throw at the end. Man, good stuff. What would you say to people about the importance of not only being at the Baylor games, but of being loud and uh, supportive and what some people might find disruptive uh, at, at the games? I, I would say, you know, you got to realize that this, while, you know, while to some people it's just a game, it's just a sporting event, these, these kids go out there and they put everything on the line for that name across their chest. Yes, they're you know you can make the argument about they're playing because they love the sport. They're playing for this or that, but they're playing for Baylor. Just like any other school, their players are playing for them. If you've never played a sport, especially football, where you can have tens of thousands of people screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs, you don't understand what it's like when it's fourth down or third and one or whatever the case is and the stadium erupts, that's what gets those guys going. You know, that gets that team going. And when it's third down and our defense needs to get off the field, if you have 40,000 people screaming, the quarterback's not going to make the play. <laughs> Unless, you know, I mean, more likely than not, it's going to have an impact on the game. And, you know, and like I, I said before, I grew up in Floyd Casey, and I don't ever remember there being that environment. And I remember there being more non-Baylor fans than there were Baylor fans. And the Baylor fans that were there, they weren't screaming. So we got to – the fans just need to realize that like, you don't have to stand up for 60 minutes. I understand. You want to sit down and you bought a seat for a reason. But you got to be loud, clap, do something. Just cheer on the guys because it's a home field advantage. And no, nothing feels better than coming out at kickoff and knowing that the stadium is green and gold, knowing that everybody there has your back. 
and that we're going to cheer you on to victory. You just got to got to support these guys. What have been your thoughts so far this season as we are in towards the end of Matt Rule's second season at the helm, and what are you thinking we're going to see on Saturday? I, I think that this is going to be the game where it all comes together. I, I hope it is. I you know every week this year it's been a, every, pieces are falling into place, but something's missing. You know something's missing. Even in the games we won, Oklahoma State we had to come back to win. You know ACU, UTSA teams that we could easily with the amount of skill we have we didn't destroy those guys. You know everything I feel like has been leading up to this moment and. I think our team realizes how good they are when we, we could have beat Iowa State. We can talk about the rest. We can talk about the ejection. We can talk about all that, talk about the cold. But our guys showed up, and, you know, things didn't work out the way they needed to. But I think this team realizes that if we just play four quarters of football, we can beat anybody. And I think that it's all going to fall into place. They know that we have to win this game. I mean, yes, there's one more after that to try and get bowl eligible. But I don't want to. I don't want to have to worry about that let's beat TCU, keep them out of a bowl game, and get into a bowl game. And I, I think, I think it's all going to come together, and I predict a pretty good win. Ames is probably one of those places that not a lot of Baylor fans have been. Tell me about the atmosphere and the environment up at Ames, and what it was like, particularly this last Saturday, amidst all the uh, the violence and the controversy. <laughs> yeah, um, Ames. Ames is a. It's an interesting place. You know, I was there in 2016 um, when we were still hot. Um, we, we, you know, we won there, but we ended up having to come back. But you know, Ames is. A, it's a fun place. You know, there's not a lot to do in Ames. If you've ever been to Iowa, I guess there's probably not a lot to do in general up there. Um, but if they know how to show up, they those fans know how to to be there early. They know how to tailgate. They know how to show up. And they know how to support their team. They know how to stay the whole game. Um, this year, compared to last year, I would say the cold weather, I mean, obviously, they're used to cold up there. So it didn't affect them in any way. Um, the tailgating was awesome. The fans were awesome. I, I, You know, I didn't have any problems, you know, going, you know, it didn't feel like a hostile environment. Some people like to say it means the hostile environment, at least not during the pregame. Um, it was cold, so that was hostile, I guess, in that regard. Um, but, you know, it when that when all that happened, you know that quote unquote late hit, whatever that was, off to the sideline, you know it it erupted, but not too much, you know, almost just like any other kind of late hit would be, you know, the home crowd's gonna get fired up. But when that fight started, you know it it really fired up the crowd, but it also fired up the Baylor people, and I was actually really surprised. I mean, I, if anybody watched that video that came out this week. Um, I forgot the reporter's name, but of James Lynch's mom, I was sitting right next to her. And if you've ever been to a game, she's pretty loud. And <laughs> she got pretty loud there, too. And, you know, it, it, it fired up their fans. But, it, like I said, it fired up the Baylor fans. And it, it felt a little hostile, a little bit more hostile there for, for the rest of the game. But I think that had more to do with the fact that, you know, Iowa State was became scared. And I'll say it. They, they knew that they better do something or we're going to come back. And, obviously, Brewer had to come out of the game. That changed the entire spectrum there. Um, but it's it's not Morgantown. I'll tell you that. I've been to Morgantown. Ames ain't Morgantown. So if you're scared of Ames, you're wrong. Two years when Charlie Brewer is a senior, I expect half that stadium to be green and gold. We, we need to hit the road and get up there. It's a good time. 
Big thanks to T-Rex for coming on. It sounds like he and I honestly grew up in a very similar situation. Both of my parents went to Baylor. I grew up at every single football game at Floyd Casey as well. I have vivid good memories of that 2004 double overtime victory over Texas A&M that he referenced. So big fan of T-Rex. Impressed that he is so hardcore without having gone to Baylor. I know you heard me mention that to him, but that's just another level, y'all. That's the kind of fandom that I like to see. And so if you are a Baylor alum and you are not as hardcore as that guy, man, shame on you. Let's get it done. Get to the stadium Saturday and get crazy against TCU. See if you can find T-Rex and give him a hello. I will be looking for him at some point as well. I've got another guest today, and this guy played for Gary Patterson at TCU. I was really interested to see what he would say Gary Patterson is actually like, and I won't waste too much time introducing him. I will let him do that, but this is Brandon, and he is a former TCU player and a good friend of mine for Fort Worth, so treat him right. Here's my conversation with Brandon Hatfield. Okay, Brandon, so before we dive into the nitty-gritty, why don't you start us off by telling me and my listeners about who you are, a little bit of your story, where you're from, and why, I mean, you can tell us why I wanted you to be on the podcast, because you used to play football for a certain somebody. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, my name's Brandon Hatfield. I... Uh, was born and raised in Los Angeles and uh, played football at TCU. Uh, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate from this podcast already, and I guess I'm ready for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, I never really envisioned going to school out here in Texas, and really playing college football was kind of up in the air. And um, actually, re- like kind of recruiting-wise, you know, I, I got accepted as a student to TCU and Baylor, um, so I came out here to visit, uh, high, the, my senior year of high school and, um, I met up with the coaches at TCU and Baylor and, um, both were kind of like, you know, who are you? Like, cause I went to a super small high school that like no one's ever heard of. And, um, basically the TCU people were like, ah, you know, since you're here, send us your tape. And, um, and it turned out, you know, they loved it and they were willing to, you know, bring me on as a walk-on and uh, field goal kicker. I don't know if I stated that or not. But uh, anyways, visited Baylor, and um, I'm sorry to say this, but the, the the coach I was supposed to meet with was out to lunch. It was really weird, just total no-show. And kind of left a bad taste in my mouth And um, with Baylor. And not that it just it is what it is. And anyways, you know, the TCU thing worked out, and that ended up being uh, – you know, where I went and just walked on, on the team. And it was a total honor just to be on the team. You know, my, my high school, I'm the first player to ever play division one power five and, um, didn't really expect to ever play. Um, you know, just was an honor to be on the team. And then in, uh, 2016 was fortunate enough to find an opportunity to, to start. And, uh, I actually played most of that season and it was, a dream come true. I mean, God works in crazy ways, and uh, it was even more than I could have expected to have happen. But alum, weird to say that, but uh, yeah, uh, I met Scotty. Uh, we went to church together, and um, briefly, you know, when he was up here and in uh, in Fort Worth, and 
yeah, tried to stay in touch periodically. Well, let me let me say this, Brandon. No Baylor fans listening to this podcast have it against you that you hold some bad taste for the previous coaching regime because I think most of us do too. So I'll just I'll just put it that way. Uh, well, hey, tell us, uh, do you have any particular stories or memories about playing against Baylor specifically? Um. Well, I mean, every of the three seasons, because my, my freshman year I was actually, I wasn't on the team, I had an injury. But the three years I was on the field, you know, it's it's been a thriller. And uh, in 2015, it was the, the crazy game, and it was in Fort Worth. It was 30 degrees and raining and a total, uh, just a crazy, crazy game. Went to, I believe, double overtime, I think, and... Uh, TCU did find a way to win that game, and um, just a great experience. And it's it's kind of different because, like you know, the, the TCU Baylor rivalry. It, obviously, it's a rivalry, and um, <laughs> from a kicker perspective, we we know their specialists. We they know us. We go to the same coaches. So it's, if anything, it's just kind of a it's kind of a friendship, you know. But you know, it, they they still do play for Baylor, so there's a little. I was gonna say you don't feel the hatred flowing from the green and gold veins of these kickers. Come on, uh, not as much the specialist, maybe some of the other guys, but uh, yeah, 15. That was that was a crazy game. I'm probably still thawing out from that game to this day. Um, then uh, let's see. Well, in 16, 2016, that was the year I got to play. That was. Probably the one of the best days of my life. Not not gonna lie with you. Just we total underdogs playing in McLean Stadium. Beautiful stadium, brand new. Love what they did with it. Um, and you know Baylor was ranked at the time, and we just flat out kind of punked them. And it was it was pretty great, especially. Uh, stop. You bet. You better stop right there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Just uh, it just personally it. it it felt really good just because of all that happened with, with, uh, just with possibly, you know, me going to Baylor and that, you know, that, that coach I was supposed to meet with that will stay unnamed was out to lunch. And it just, there was just a little bit something extra beyond the extra of the rivalry. Um, just, that was a great day. <laughs> we, uh, TCU did win, I believe, uh, 62 22. Um, had a couple field goals and it was just, it was a big day for me because the week before that, I missed three field goals and we lost to Tech. So after letting the team down and losing a game for them, then to come back and bounce back for our team against Baylor, it just it all just added up to a one an amazing day for me and the team, of course. Uh, yeah. Then in, in seventeen, uh, wasn't wasn't playing, but you know out on the field as a backup and. Um, you know, that was the game, of course, with the last year with the brawl. Um, and, uh, I, I did earn it. I earned my unsportsmanlike conduct. I did step about two yards onto the field when the fight happened. Attaboy. I, I just, I guess I deserved the 15 yard or whatever yard penalty. And, uh, there are, there are pictures to prove it. (laughs) So I, I'll take my penalty, you know, and, but, yeah, I mean, last year seemed like a, a tough year for Baylor, and um, but it's just kind of the transition year for them. And but 
Yeah, TCU Baylor. It's a very special rivalry, as you know, and it's just it's really great. It's very. I feel like it's very underrated in the college football world. Oh, I agree. And it's just this Saturday should be another uh, good addition to that. Okay, I think this is what I wanted to talk to you about most that I think most of my listeners would be most intrigued by is I think Baylor fans love to hate TCU, but love to hate Coach Patterson the most. I I, I definitely feel that amongst Baylor people. And so I guess my question is if you can give us a little bit of a window, I know it's impossible to give us a full picture, but a little bit of a window into Coach P and what, uh, how he treats his play. I mean, you know, just a broad sense of kind of how he runs the show up there and how he treats his players. Maybe if, if there's anything about y'all's relationship, any stories that come to mind. But give Baylor fans just a little bit of a window into who Gary Patterson is as a, as a head coach. Sure. Uh, man, he is he's an unbelievable man and coach. And um, there's a reason why he's so respected across college football, just because he's – you know, despite all the success, he's he's done everything the right way. You hear in college football, this coach is cutting this corner. You hear this coach is, you know, offering recruits money. You know, here's blah, blah, blah. You know, Coach P, the last 20, you know, 30 years he's been coaching, even going back to his coordinator days, he just, he's done it the right way. And, uh, you know, at times he's, he's a tough coach, but uh, that's, you know, from a from a head football coach, you want somebody that's tough. You want someone that's determined. And there's a method to his madness that, uh, you know, some people think he's kind of crazy or whatever. I think he's just a genius, and he's an incredible person. Um, there really isn't anyone else in college football I'd want to play for. And he's just um, so amazing and um, so supportive. I mean, even, you know, of, of my, my kicking lows, um, you know, he was never – you know, ever really down on me, you know, he just, he, he had, he had faith and he trusted me and stuck with me. And, um, he, he just handles everything the right way. And, um, from all the negative stuff you hear about college football, that seems to be more and more of a rarity. And for him to, um, just conduct, you know, all, all the time, he just conducting himself with class and he's really, really incredible. He he's really an amazing coach, and I'm beyond grateful to have played him. Well, I'm gonna push I'm gonna push your buttons just a tad. I I think what Baylor fans most love to make fun of about Gary Patterson is not necessarily him as a person, but is mostly his habits of perspiring, right? Oh, <laughs> and, shit. And, and having a towel girl behind him to to wipe the sweat off his brow every three seconds. Oh, yeah, that's he's. That's part of his intensity, and that and that's another thing I, I did kind of miss out on. You know, he he's talked before about other coaches. You know, other coaches across college football. You know, they you know they have the all the coordinators run practice, and the head coach stands off to the side and just checks all the boxes and if things get done. Where he's he's in the action. You know, he's on the field coaching guys. You know, he's he's just so invested into that program into TCU football that. Um, you know, part of that's the the intensity and the the towel girl thing is is interesting and and uh, <laughs> it's, what's funny about that is one year and I'll, I'll I'll give a little bit of, of 
some inter- but an interesting point is that uh, one year we tried having like a player. I don't like we had a player. He was a walk on. Um, we had a player kind of follow Coach P with you know his towel and water bottle and stuff to make it maybe blend in more. But uh, I don't know if that really did anything. But yeah, it, Coach P he he's just so intense that he just gets really fired up and. And he's just he's just really invested into the program, and just is is so hands on that you know it, it happens. He's sometimes gets just as sweaty as we are, but hey, it, it shows that it shows that he's invested and he cares. Well, I think you would like Baylor head coach Matt Rule for the same reason, not because he sweats profusely, but because. Uh, he he kind of fits that mold you were just talking about, it. being on the field, coaching guys up. Um, you know, getting out there and running drills with the guys. I know he runs the sprint drills with the team and, and such. So, um, I think you'd appreciate Coach Rule's demeanor. And speaking of, this has been kind of a funny year for Baylor and TCU both. Obviously, TCU having one of the worst years it's had in a minute. And Baylor at 5-5 five and five, a year after, you know, winning one game and with a pretty decent chance now to make a bowl run. How much of this season have you gotten to watch? I'm assuming of TCU mostly. And how do you think this game on Saturday is going to go down? Yeah. Um, well, to go back to your point with Coach Rule, I, I I do respect you know everything he's done. I really think he's done a great job with the program and starting to turn things around. And um, kind of in the same way as Coach P. I mean, I feel like he's been you know pushing the right buttons and doing the right thing and. You know, I thought it was kind of an odd fit. You know, all this guy comes from Temple. He runs a – I wanted to say he did a pro-style offense. You know, it didn't really seem to fit with Baylor. But um, he he really has, has done a really good job this year. Um, and, yeah, totally with what you said, you know, we have uh, – for our expectations, you know, have been um, maybe, you know, haven't had the breaks go our way. And, um, and we've been close. I mean, we – Went toe to toe with Ohio State for two and a half quarters until we gate, you know, turned the ball over a couple times in a rough third quarter, and kind of the same story with the UT game. I, I I've watched, I want to say every game this year, TCU wise. I actually haven't really seen Baylor. I've kind of looked at their scores, but uh, yeah, I the game Saturday I think is gonna be a great game. Um, I really do. I think it's gonna be another one of those classic TCU Baylor rivalries that comes down to the end and. Um, I think I think our guys, you know, now that we've kind of gotten settled with, you know, Sean Robinson getting hurt and uh, our backup now starter, you know, Michael Collins, is has gotten you know a little bit more experience. That um, I think I think we'll I think we'll be pretty good. Um, the key for us will will definitely be our offensive line, and um, we've that group has had their ups and downs this year, and um, if we can come out and set the tone at the line of scrimmage, then that could really, and it's still such a cliche answer, but um, I think that's what's going to be the, the key to the game, at least for TCU. Hey, a big shout out to Brandon for being willing to come on the podcast and speak to me for that. That was a good conversation. Really enjoyed catching up with him. Another shout out to T-Rex as well. Thank you guys for coming on and making this week's episode great. Today we have our final countdown. We've been counting down the top five players at each position from this decade. So 2010 
up to now. And today we come to the linemen. And let me just tell you, in case any of you are big time linemen fans, I did not separate out the offense and the defensive linemen. I put them all into this one lineman category. And I apologize if that seems insufficient or like I'm not valuing these guys. That was not the intention. The truth is, I don't know enough technically about offensive line play. I mean, I have a general sense of how it works and how the guys should do it, but I, you know, that is not my area of expertise. And truthfully, the other side of this is we have not had five standout defensive linemen. I tried to make just a defensive lineman list, and there's not that many defensive linemen we've had this decade worth ranking that sounds awful because I don't want to I don't want to rip on a good chunk of Baylor football players man but it was just difficult so I put them all in one category so these are the top five big dudes the linemen from this decade here we go number five James Lynch yep he's already in the top five he is the single most dominant defensive player on the line since Andrew Billings was at Baylor he disrupts plays on the regular he rushes the passer he stops the run he's quick he's aggressive he's strong James Lynch is going to leave here as one of the best players to ever play for Baylor he already is a contender for Big 12 honors as a true sophomore James Lynch comes in at number five Shout out to Bo Blackshear, who I had at number five before James Lynch absolutely has had just a monster season this year. James Lynch, number five. At number four, I've got Danny Watkins. Danny Watkins, the former firefighter, the Canadian who came to Baylor under Art Bryles to play left tackle, was a all-conference player, spectacular tackle, got some time in the NFL playing guard for the Philadelphia Eagles, and then retired to go back to being a firefighter. Just a great story, a great guy, and a dominant offensive tackle for Baylor. Played really, really well during his time here. I've got Danny Watkins at number four. At number three, I've got Cyril Richardson. Uh, This guy was a longtime starter under Art Bryles. He was a dominant Big, strong lineman, one of the thickest. One of those guys that could really, really move for his size. He was incredibly quick for his size. Cyril Richardson, obviously with the hair, had kind of an iconic look. Was Everybody knew him on campus. Everybody liked him on campus. I actually saw him around on campus a lot as a student. He was very well-liked, very kind, and just an excellent football player. Really, really a stud. I've got him at number three. At number two... Spencer Drango. Drango is easily the best offensive lineman we've had in the past decade and maybe beyond, all the way back to Jason Smith, if we're being honest, and he's probably even better than Jay Smooth. Spencer Drango, just a dominant left tackle, four-year starter, is still playing, I believe, some guard in the NFL. I'm not confident in that, but he's just one of those once-in-a-generation offensive linemen for Baylor. Was a big-time recruit when we got him and then lived up to every every aspect of that expectation. Drango was a freshman All-American, and during his senior year, he had the highest pass-blocking efficiency in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. According to Wikipedia, and I know what professors say about Wikipedia, but let's be honest, it's great. He only allowed a single quarterback hit his senior year, and that was from Emmanuel Ogba of Oklahoma State. He was just a monster And this gave him a nation-leading 99.2 pass-blocking efficiency. Spencer Drango, dominant, amazing, great Baylor Bear. But number one 
has to go to Andrew Billings. Andrew Billings is the single best offensive or defensive lineman we have had in a long time. And I'd have to do some more research on Baylor football history, but it's very possible that he is the best defensive lineman in Baylor football history. Just his impact at the point of attack, double, triple teamed, still worked through them. I will never forget him running down a Kansas running back from behind. Just absolute monster, unstoppable. Really good to see him finally healthy and putting up some good numbers in the NFL this season alongside Gito Atkins in Cincinnati. But there was no lineman more fun to watch, more dominant, that made more of an immediate, noticeable impact on the game than Andrew Billings. Waco's own is number one. Obviously, there's some guys that I had to leave off this list by doing it this way that are definitely worthy of mention. Kyle Fuller is definitely one of those. He was an excellent lineman for Baylor for a long time and really a leader on that offensive line during his junior and senior season. Troy Baker is another one that I really would have liked to included. Already mentioned Bo Blackshear. So big shout out to all those guys. That concludes our player rankings of this decade. Thank you so much for those of you who suggested that segment, who enjoyed that segment, and who contributed to that segment. It was a lot of fun. As always, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Bear underscore podcast. If you have any disagreements, let me know what you think. Hello, and welcome to the Minor Minute. What a weekend was up in Ames, where Baylor lost to Iowa State 28-14. to And early in the third quarter, there was a series of physical plays between the Bears and the Cyclones that ultimately led to a fistfight between Greg Roberts and David Montgomery, throwing punches while a referee stood between them. Both of those players were ejected, and the referees called an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on everybody in the game, including those on the sidelines. This loomed large later for Baylor when Charlie Brewer got his second foul and was ejected from the ball game with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter as Baylor was mounting a potential comeback. We dive deeper on, into this issue on Bears Illustrated. However, there are two main takeaways from what happened up in Iowa. One, the players have to be more disciplined moving forward, especially if they want to make a bowl game. And two, it's time to focus wholeheartedly on TCU and move on from the fight in the cornfields. There's a great book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, where he draws on examples of famous U.S. presidents, inventors, and other famous people of how they overcome obstacles to have success. One of his points was that if an emotion cannot change the condition or situation you're dealing with, it's likely unhelpful or destructive. And that's exactly what focusing on the fights and what could have been or should have been in Iowa would be for the Bears. It would be destructive emotions. So the need is to focus wholeheartedly on TCU. Focus on senior day this Saturday. Focus on winning and going bowling for the first time in the Matt Rule era. And focus on preventing our rivals, TCU, from going bowling if, if we beat them. There are many things that could have gone differently up in Iowa. However, learning from those mistakes and focusing our efforts on TCU should get the Bears to go bowling. Baylor over TCU, 31-25. Sick'em Bears. College football is all about the big rivalries. When you think college football, you think Ohio State, Michigan. You think Texas, Oklahoma. You think Alabama, Auburn. 
And I would argue that when TCU came into the Big 12, Baylor finally had a real rivalry on its hands. TCU and Baylor being similar in size, both being started as Christian institutions of higher learning, and both having some really, really impressive moments of football success over the last 10 to 15 years. In TCU's case, uh, about 15 years now. This rivalry has become one of college football's fiercest and most fun and most competitive. The all-time series is TCU 54 to Baylor 52 and 7 ties. It is one of college football's oldest rivalries with the first meeting in 1899. And with 113 games between them, it is one of the most played college football rivalries. It should be ranked right up there with Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn. It's not that big because the schools are smaller. But in terms of the hatred, the intensity, hashtag TCU hate week, the competitiveness and the evenness of the series and the similarities between the schools, it's incredible. And so if you are still hesitant on if you're going to be at McLean on Saturday, get there. It's going to be a great college football game. Make sure to wear black, and I would love for you to support the Bears at that game and get loud and rowdy for that. But this is the game I look forward to every year. This is the game I want to win more than any every year. And with TCU's sudden decline this season and Baylor's quick improvement, I do expect Baylor to win. It's going to be a fun one. Again, tune in for Please Bear With Me, the show Friday night at 8 p.m. for more. That's all the time I've got. Thanks and sick'em bears. Please Bear With Me is brought to you by Bears Illustrated over at Baylor 247. Thanks to my man Tim Watkins over there. Thanks to Iron Kids for all the music you heard on today's podcast. Go check them out, Iron Kids, on SoundCloud. I've been Scotty Swingler, and this is Please Bear With Me. Please Bear With Me.